Well, That's thank right. you for joining us, man. Thank you for joining us this evening. Welcome to No Ideas Original Podcast. My name is Shannon. You met Rob already. That's and this is when I spoke to you. There you go. Okay. Beautiful. So, um, look, you're a wealth of knowledge. We want to pick your brain tonight. Um, and I thought I'd start off, I had an opportunity to watch a number of different interviews you had and videos and seminars you participated in. And one of the quotes that I saw about you that I thought was remarkable was you said something as, um, when someone tells the perfect lie, the truth is unbelievable. And I think that this is a good question to frame our discussion. What is the truth and who are we as people? Mm. Well, first, if I may just give credit, um, that I did not originate that statement, but I have repeated it because it just was very attractive to me because of the common sense that it made. So I just want to recognize uh, that I first heard it from my brother from Indianapolis, Gary Holland. Mm. Uh, I always like to give credit where credit is due, and it was such right. a profound statement. Um, and I've carried it with me everywhere I go because it is so phenomenal. To answer your question, I go now to another scholar, Dr. David Imhotep, who is the author of the book, The First Americans Were Africans. And one day, brother and I were in a conversation and I was telling him about the truth and I was telling him about facts. And he said, uh, hold up, bro, just one moment. Let me just talk to you a minute about what you're saying. He said, yesterday, where I am, it was a very beautiful day. The sun was shining, the skies were blue. The evidence of it is the fact that we experienced it and we saw the blue skies. And that's a fact. And that's the truth. But brother, today it's raining very hard and we ain't even seen the sun. He said, that's the truth. And that's a fact. And the evidence is there. He said, what we have to talk about is evidence, mm. not truth and not facts, because situations alter cases. The truth and facts can change. That's but the evidence is always there and will never change. They are there yesterday, today, and they will be there tomorrow. Universal Maatian truths. Right. So truth to me is, is, is according to your perspective. Facts are according to your perspective. It's the evidence I like to focus on. Right. The evidence never changes. And that's how I think I can answer that question. What is the truth? Situations all the cases. <laughs> evidence is what you're gonna go after. Right, because that's that's hard fact. That's kind of it's like hard fact. That's it. It's there. It never changes. The sun was shining, there's evidence of it. It's a raining very heavy. The evidence is there. The facts and the truth changed those two days, but the evidence never changed because the evidence supported the statement that you were making. Mm -hmm. What I attempt to do is I attempt to stay away from negative emotion. Reason why I say negative emotion is because all emotion ain't bad. Anger is emotion out of control. Passion is emotion under control. I'm passionate about what I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes, sir. But stay away from anger because anger never allows you 
to think in a constructive way to respond to the situation you hold. I mean, it may make you feel good because, you know, you're angry about something, you get down in there and you just love how it feels. Mm -hmm. But when it's time to solve the problem, you, you, you have to get up out of that anger and you have to get passionate about searching for evidence. Right. And from there, you can solve your challenge and meet your needs. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And I'm glad you, you, you mentioned it that way because Western civilization has destroyed us in our thinking. And the question I pose for you is how important for, is it for us to revisit our imagination? It's already there. In fact, you know, it was Albert Einstein that said imagination is better than knowledge. How about that? And so, you know, my thing has always been when you deal with these issues that we're facing as a people, uh, we we have to understand. We have to look at the evidence of what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. This is the third time that Indo-Europeans have been given the opportunity to put in place a civilization and a culture that is long-lasting. Mm -hmm. This is the third time they failed. And they failed for the same reason that they failed all the other times. First time was the Greeks, the second was the Romans. Well, no, well, yes, if you want to, but I put them both together. I put the Greeks okay. and the Romans together. But but the Romans, yes, in the sense of the so-called Holy Roman Empire. Correct. The Greeks, the the see, I put the Greek and the Roman together because of one pity piggyback on the other correct africans had a very straightforward understanding they went through an entire civilization unbroken for thousands of years because i don't start with egypt kemet that first dynasty isn't a first dynasty we call it a first dynasty because that is where western world came upon kemet right and they they had their own uh, African Greek scholars write out the so-called dynasties. There are three different forms of dynasties that we have. There are three different levels of numbers of years that these dynasties existed. But no matter how you look at the northern part of the northeastern uh, uh, quadrant of Africa, the Kemites were the Kush. The Kemites came from Kush. Mm -hmm. They were Kushites. Mm -hmm. And the so-called first dynasty is nothing but an extension of a thousands of years dynastic system that Africans from what we today call Sudan brought into Southern Kemet and right. then moved up into uh, Hikupatal or what we call Memphis. They handed down this legacy. They were interrupted at the end of the sixth dynasty by the first real incursions of Indo-Europeans. They, they um, came in and took advantage of us fighting amongst ourselves because that's what we were doing. That's what allowed them to come in in the first place. We were fighting right. amongst. I'm talking about black on black right now. I'm not, and you know, fam. Sometimes don't like to hear this, but come on, that's let's face true. the reality so we don't repeat them. We were fighting amongst ourselves. Indo-Europeans came in and began to exploit that that fighting, and they were able to weaken the comedic. Uh, legacy the first intermediate came into existence okay. eventually after a while Mentuhotep pushed forward from south from from Sudan or Nubia back in 
overcame these interlopers, ran them out, and established the Middle Kingdom. Mm. The Middle Kingdom flourished with the with the Intefs, Pharaohs, and the Queens, and uh, Mentuhotep II, Am uh, Amenemhet III. I mean, it was phenomenal. Right. Well, however, Indo-Europeans came back in. Mm-hmm. And they uh, were, were able to overcome the northern part of Kemet by the Delta and push the Africans south. Eventually, Africans came back during the end of the 17th dynasty, drove the Hicksocks, Indo-Europeans out, established the new kingdom. And then eventually 19th dynasty, the Napatan dynasty. But the point I'm trying to make is at the end of the Napatan dynasty, about 525 BCE, before the common era the persian cambyses and his persian troops which today would be iran came in and overtook 525 is really the last time africans ruled kemet the way they had done in time because after the persians came the greeks in 332 they came with no talent they came with nothing to offer and what they did is that whatever they could not uh, uh, steal, whatever they could steal and understand, they put their name on it. Mm -hmm. Things that they could not understand, they destroyed. Typical, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing today. Now, right. 30 BC, after the so-called Germanic tribes that we call the Romans come down, they're going to come down, they're going to start what's called the Punic Wars with North Africa. They're going to come back and the success of the of the Roman soldiers beating the African Carthaginians is the fact that the Carthaginians who are Africans and the Numidians from Morocco are fighting amongst themselves. And so the Romans make a deal with the Numidians. The Numidians buy into it. They defeat the Carthaginians and then the Romans turn on their word and subjugate the Numidians as they always do. We should know by now. Right. So that's that first time that the Indo-European world had a chance to establish a civilization that could survive, but they were so greedy, so arrogant, so ignorant, it fell because more Germanic tribes would come down and they would sack the Holy Roman Empire. Now, am I, am I incorrect in saying during that Carthage War, that's when, that's the time of Genghis Khan, am I correct? Well, that's that's going to be out of Asia. That's yeah. that's moving more towards Asia. We're, we're talking about Africa proper right now. Yes, sir. And so Genghis Khan and 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 the entire concept of, of, of the Asian invasions are going to come, the Mongolian invasions, they're going to come also. Right. But Genghis isn't going to impact this area of the world right now. Okay. Okay. And so when Europe is plunged into a dark age, and when the 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 uh, Roman Catholic Church is trying to get themselves together, they try to unite, and then all of a sudden, this is the second time that they could have gotten it right. Africans went in. Seven ten. Hmm. This is what we call the Moorish Empire. Right. 710 Africans go in, they bring libraries, they bring soap, they bring disinfectant, they bring medicine, they bring different ways of agriculture. They build the first universities of Europe, 
the first music conservatory. They bring the piano into Africa. How about that? They turned the harp sideways, encased it in wood, combined it with the kalimba, the finger piano, and the xylophone, and that's the birth of the Baroque piano. I didn't know that. See that? That was a jewel. I like that. <laughs> well, check this out, Mr. Rab. Look at the way a baby grand piano looks. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm, I'm, look, I'm seeing it. Yeah. It's the harp. Yeah, yeah. So instead of strumming the, the strings, what you do is you hit keys that are then going to hit the chords. Chords, yeah. You see? And and so, you know, that's why the piano is a very interesting. The piano and the piano is very interesting to the drum because it's a percussion. Right. Because you have to hit. A percussion is something that vibrates that you hit. That you hit, yeah. And so the, so the piano actually is... Not just that, but when Africans were playing the drums and they would play it real hard and the top of the drum would get shredded. What mm. they began to know is that if they if they moved along the top of it, the strings, you know, the 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 uh, parts that were, uh, you know, just hanging would make a sound. Mm -hmm. So what they did is they cut the top of the head of the drum off and turned it up and started to play it like that. And that's the birth of the guitar. Mm -hmm. well, I tell you, we're geniuses, man. We're born geniuses. But I, I like. I, I tell us this all the time, family. We have to understand. But when someone tells a perfect lie, the truth is unbelievable. It is. Oh, but, but when you break it down to a science and not an emotion, because I could have come at this another way. I could have said, you know, I'm no, they're no good, whatever, blah blah blah. I could have come that way and worked on your emotion. But I'm asking us to look at the science of what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Can, right. can you see a top of a drum that, because of its playing, has worn away and has become shredded on the top? Mm -hmm. And then can you see taking the top of the drum off, turning it sideways, and then putting a stick on it, realizing that if you put strings and attach them to each one of those shredded uh, pieces of uh, drum head, right. if you start to strum it or hit it, it's going to make a different sound. According yes, to how you press on to the top stick, is going to tighten or loosen the connection to the head of the drum, which is going to change the sound. Mm -hmm. Africans took bamboo, and when they were playing the drums, they would take the bamboo, and they would they they would connect one end of the bamboo to the bottom of the drum. They would connect another one to a calabash or a gourd, and guess what that became. They did it with the guitar, they did whatever, it became the amplifier. Mm. Oh boy. Because as they would hit the drum, the opening in the bamboo chute would send the vibrations through the chute over to the gourd, and the gourd would vibrate the sound that came from the drum. That's where the amplifier came from. Even today's amplifier is built on the same premise of African people. And I tell people, don't believe a word I say. I'll take you to the American Museum of Natural History where they'll show you 250 instruments in a in a case and you'll see these amplifiers in there. Yeah. So let me ask you this. At what point did we lose this greatness that we have or forget the greatness that we have? There's numbers of ways that we did it. But the one very most important thing that I tell our family is this. We have the DNA of the pyramid builders in us. We have the DNA of the plantation dwellers in us. That's right. That DNA is in us. 
Mm-hmm. When when you think about your ancestors, and 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 I did this the other day, and it sort of kind of blew folk away. But again, I I thank ancestral footprints for sharing this information. Each and every one of us needed two parents to get into this world. We needed four grandparents. Mm-hmm. We needed eight great grandparents. And the number system, I got sixteen great great grandparents. If I took you back to the twentieth generation, which basically would be four hundred years ago, mm-hmm. for each and every one of us, it took one million forty-eight thousand five hundred and sixty-one human beings to make me who I am and make you who you are. Do the math. Don't believe me. Go back twenty generations. That's right. Of great grandparents to the seventh power, great grandparent that brought those great grandparents in. Go back and look at the numbers. And what you'll see is that when you get back to the twentieth generation, if you go back to six, if twenty years is a generation, some people say twenty years a generation. Some people say twenty-five years. Some people say thirty. Mm-hmm. If you say twenty. That ancestor, that one million four or forty-eight thousand, that ancestor would have been born in sixteen twenty. Mm. Wow! But hold on, fam. Let me take you back to Africa before we ever left the continent. And now let's look at how many ancestors that we have in our body that go back not twenty generations, but two thousand generations. Right. Talking about that. How many folk you think you have in you? If twenty. Is over one million. What you think two thousand generations is for you? Yeah, I got a, yeah, I got about a bunch of worlds in me now. That is it. So, <laughs> so when you say that, we can't forget it. That's right. Unfortunately, the conditions we live in. See, Doctor uh, Edwin Nichols, a brilliant uh, clinical psychiatrist, he tells us that there are two things we do in life. Once we're born, there are two things we attempt to do. Even as infants first coming out of our moms, survival. We survive. Everything we do aims at surviving. Correct. When we get to a point where we can survive, and by that I mean we comfortably can pay our rent and put food on the table, take care of ourselves, be safe. Right. When you get to that point where you're that comfortable with survive, that's when you start to thrive. When you start to thrive, that's when you get creative in your mind. You're still creative, but in in survival, but you're creative in a survival mode. That's you right. You get your hustle on. You know how to do this job. You know how to do this job. But what built the pyramids was some thriving minds. It wasn't surviving minds. Yeah. What yeah. built the temples and the tombs? What What created a concept of the creator? What developed jewelry and what made us bury our dead? And what created the pyramid text and all these things that go beyond? That's not a survival mode. That's a thrival mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's when you live in top dollar on the. But if they keep you in survival mode, you'll never get to the thrival mode. Right, and I think that's where we're stuck at. We're stuck in survival mode right now. Where everybody is. Everybody is, and we can't see ourselves in that thriving sense. Some of us can. But the yeah. majority of us can't. Go ahead, Zane. Well, if you know your history, <laughs> if you know your history, you ain't nothing never. Nothing should stop you. Nothing should stop you. Nothing. Now you may be still in survival mode, 
but at least you can perceive yourself getting into the thrival mode because you know all you got to do is get the only we only have one enemy only one enemy awesome. and if we could get to this the one enemy we have is that negativity within us that is constantly trying to convince us that we cannot do this yeah because once you take care of that in internal enemy everything else outside of you is an obstacle not an enemy the white man is not an enemy the white man is an obstacle that is to be gotten over we can see him as an enemy he's not an enemy he is not equal to us because our spirit can overcome him mm -hmm. and and that's what becomes uh so important to the entire development of what it is that we're doing mm -hmm. just get as him once you defeat this thing inside here everything else is possible mm -hmm. but you got to love yourself that's right you have to look in that mirror and love who you see you have to love your complexion you have to love the texture of your hair the width of your nose the size of your lips and never hate yourself for those that look and say you know i'm really haven't been taking care of myself don't ever say i hate how i look say i love how i look but i deserve better so i'm gonna do what i gotta do to get that mm -hmm. there you go but don't ever hate yourself don't ever hate the way you look don't ever think you might have gained too much weight or lost too much weight or this or that don't hate that love that but love it so much you want to make it better that's right that's and right. once we do that family all this stuff is out the window <laughs> that's right that's right that's right that's right that's right yes, can you explain to us the difference between natural law and artificial law? Natu natural law, well, okay. Natural law is natural and artificial law is what we create out of nature. Artificial law has its place as long as you have it under control. Artificial intelligence, man, what we're doing right now, this is artificial intelligence. Yeah. Naturally, this would be if we were all standing on a corner just Rocking just, the yeah. <laughs> I, I got, I got we under the baobab tree in in ghana right yeah that's got, natural but got, what we're doing here is artificial but that but this is great this is very important because we can do what we got to do across the world yeah but yeah. you've got to control this you've got to control artificial but see the indo-european and 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 i use indo-european as a term I, I could call it Eurasian, I could call it European and Asian, mm -hmm. but I go back to the original archetype that came up out the Ice Age, who are the Cro-Magnon that became the Indo-European. But when I say Indo-European, I'm talking about Europeans and Asians as a Northern group. Right. Impacted by the Ice Age. Wow. And How so artificial law is what we create as human beings natural law is where we were taught how to do artificial law right that's right because all the ingredients that make up these computers and the cameras all that comes from the earth we're, we're using the earth's materials to create something mm. yeah and so that that to me is the difference there is nothing more powerful than natural law yeah can't beat that you can't and you, and you never will so that's why i tell folk you know don't get caught up in thinking about what you see happening out here that this is the way it's going to be this ain't the way it's going to be 
because right now nature done stepped in here nature stepped in and didn't drop a bomb and didn't didn't shoot did not not one fire shot not one bomb dropped nature black cosmic mother said i'm tired of y'all y'all go to your rooms now hmm. how about that <laughs> didn't have to didn't have to shoot nobody didn't have to beat nobody all mother nature said is i'm gonna i'm gonna reach inside of you and take the very worst out of you and i'm gonna spread that around the world and that's what COVID is it's the negativity within us mm-hmm. and now it's all over yeah. you know, hey 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 fam you know when you wish you know when you're in the house and the children are acting up and your mother's there and she's doing things she's sitting down she just got comfortable from doing all this and she's sitting there and we're acting up like children and she said y'all need to stop acting up stop fighting amongst yourselves and we just keep doing it and mama say don't make me get up out this chair <laughs> you will be sorry if i get up out this chair because be what, what what mother earth knows is that we are now moving into the uh, the aquarian age yes sir which is the beginning of the great year of 26000 years mm. there are 12 houses in yes, in in this great year and every house lasts 2160 years and there's 12 of them and when sure. you do the math it becomes 25920 so there's an 80 year play that you can play with and what happens is that every great year starts with the Piscean age. But the Piscean age, the age of the fish, give way to the age of the water or the information or returning to the source. Water bearer. Whence we, the water bearer. That's the age of Aquarius. We are on the cusp of moving from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. But the, the water bearer is the black cosmic mother. She is coming back to right the wrongs. And Mother Earth, the feminine principle in the earth is saying to the children, look, my mother's coming to check me. And my mother is gonna be upset if you see y'all acting like this. So what's our what's our relationship to the cosmos? We are the cosmos. We are the cosmos. Mm-hmm. We are a microcosm. We oh, are the creator having a human experience. Right. Science is a, a spirituality is unseen science, and science is seen spirituality. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, I just came across that not too long ago. Yeah. Let me you ask can actually, you. Can actually, like, if you if you have a, a magnifying glass and you can look into the eye, to the pupil, and everything around it, you see the same thing that's in the eye that's in the cosmos. That's yeah. it. And we, and the atoms in our body, the trillions of atoms we have in our body, an atom is to the human what the human is to the universe. There you go. That's yeah. the relation right there. And I mean, our atoms, with the electrons circling the nuclei or the nucleus of the atom where the proton and the nucleus is. That is like all this. That's like all of our solar systems, where you have entities that are rotating around it. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that's the grand unified theory. 
Mm. When the world of the big out there and the world of the small that's here, there's one formula. And I have found that formula to be in the Shabaka stone, which is the waters of Nun. We got this. We And once this opens up, that's my next book, Shabaka mm. stone. Nice. We we got this family. Yeah, we got. This. I know we do. I feel it. I know yeah. it's coming. I know it's coming, Elder. I'm feeling. I just want to walk into it. Mr. Rabbit's already here. All you check this out. Suppose we turned out all the lights in the room, and we couldn't see anything. Or let's say we walked into a room where all the lights were out, didn't see nothing, and then all of a sudden we found a light switch. We. And we saw the table, we saw the chairs, we saw the shoes, we saw the TV, we saw the pictures on the wall. My question to you, did all those things appear in the room when you turned the light on? Uh, no, they were always there. Your light has one on. So what a teacher does, what a group right teacher on. does, is they facilitate each individual finding the light switch of their minds. Mm -hmm. So you can see what's up in there. Right. You can remember. You got it all. Ain't nothing you need. You don't need nobody outside of yourself to do anything for you. Those social relationships are wonderful. They build the, the brotherhood, the sisterhood, all that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But when it all comes down, you're the only one that can turn on the light switch of your mind. Yeah. In that same vein, let me ask you this, because I'm, I'm always baffled by this. There are black people that don't believe that racism exists. Okay. How, how how is that how is that possible? How do we get black people to understand that racism exists and that is systemic? Because to, to me, I think that the emotional pain is so harsh mm. that if they actually had to face it, they couldn't handle their life. For the wow. same reason that people hang tenaciously to religion. Mm -hmm. right. There's right. nothing wrong. I don't have anything against any religion. In fact, spirituality before religions was written by me to specifically show where every scripture came from Africa. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can show you every religion from agnostic to Zoroastrian, A to Z. I can show you where they came from Africa. That's I right. don't have a problem with the Bible. If people acted the way the Bible told you to act, this would be a wonderful world. <laughs> if, 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 if people act the way the Quran tells people to act, this would be beautiful. To be a beautiful place yes sir but people use religion as a shield mm -hmm. because they really and 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 i can understand it brother when you when you study what has happened to us as a people it's a great deal of pain we feel yeah man we feel great pain constantly and things that happen around us we're all in pain by matter of degree and one of the first things i tell black folk to do is step back and forgive yourself you know james brown say i want to step back and kiss me. <laughs> yeah. you know step back forgive yourself for your transgressions for what you did not that they were right but in order to move on you got to forgive yourself we as brothers and sisters we have to look to each other and say you know baby i'm sorry you know okay because we have we have a lot of folk that want to do male female relationships but the first thing you do, because I've, I've done these types of sessions before. The first thing I say is, we're not going to talk about everything that's wrong with us. Let's talk about what's right with us. Mm -hmm. right, right. Let's start there. 
we can handle what's wrong because whatever was wrong with human beings we screwed up and yeah put me over your knee and spank me okay i was wrong but start off where everything is all right first because if you ever get into the pit of what's wrong you'll never climb out yeah we've done some horrible things to each other yeah man. we're selling each other yeah 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 and i think that's that's part of it that keeps us locked down man is yeah. pain. and that pain almost becomes addictive because like you said anger and all those things those chemicals go into your body and your body's starting to look for when situations happen mm. and you're looking for that pain response so you can respond to it the way you would normally respond if you don't think there's anything positive there any yeah you know what I mean? so that's absolutely Absolutely. Yeah. We have our ca- our counterparts also. I would I would ask them why is it that um in the same vein why is it that white people don't accept that white supremacy exists? And I know part of it is just you know arrogance and not wanting to assume accountability for certain things. But you know why is it that they are in denial that white supremacy exists? They're mentally disturbed. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Okay. Let me drop it on you like this. Neurotic, psychotic, psychopathic, sociopathic. Wow. Mm. And they have built in, when you cause so much harm and danger, the people who you inflicted it on don't want to deal with it because it brings back a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And the people who inflicted it on you don't want to face it. Because they, they're, they're going to have to admit some things mm-hmm. that they just don't have the moral compass to do. Mm. And I say to us, don't wait. You do what you have to do for you. Don't wait for them to tell. They're not even willing to tell you that enslaving Africans existed. So how you think they're going to apologize for something that they deny even happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somewhere we get crazy with that. Yeah. We have to be out of our mind. Dr. Clark used to always tell me, if they didn't treat you right, what make you think they're going to teach you right? (laughs) (laughs) And I said that that in in the show we had a little earlier. I said, how are they going to give you civil rights when they ain't civil? And and you know something? Civil rights is not the most important thing. Malcolm was right. Mm It's human rights you got to go after. Right. Why would an African person, Hispanic person, a person who is not, who is melanated, why should there be, going back to brother's question about natural, if you're a human being, why do you need a law that makes you equal? Exactly. Yeah. Already we have seen law. right now with all the civil laws that they put in place they took everyone back mm-hmm. but if that had first been as malcolm said a human right then by nature you don't need an amendment the one thing that every amendment of the constitution proves is that those old white men made a mistake when they wrote the official document because mm-hmm. an amendment is a correction of a mistake you made mm-hmm. that's what amend means to right. correct so that means that you had a whole bunch of mistakes and then i say the constitution has to be rewritten when it was written it was written by old white men 
It has to be rewritten. And then they say to me, but that's the Constitution. You can't rewrite that. I said, but y'all rewrote the Bible and that's the word of God. <laughs> if God's word can be amended, so can y'all. Case in point, like as the conversation we had earlier with the with the unfortunate death of the sister Breonna Taylor, you know, someone was reading the Fourth Amendment. But he also said the Fourth Amendment was written in the 1700s. We, they even, we even have electricity back then at that time. And we're still using that same law this day. It's preposterous, man. We do have to reform and change that entire document. That's right. To create a whole new, and probably to Zane's point, a natural, get people to realize what natural law is again. Mm-hmm. We can live naturally and, and come and commune naturally just because, you know what I mean? And leave all, all the man-made stuff alone. Yeah, and, and Zane, to get back to your point, how I would define natural law is the law of ma'at. Right. Ma'at represents truth, justice, balance, harmony, reciprocity. Reciprocity. What goes around comes around. You shall reap what you sow. What the Indo-European did, they're going to get back. It's going to come back at them. It may not be now. By the year 2050, Spanish will be spoken by more Americans than any other language. Yep. Islam will be practiced as a religion by more Americans than any other religion. There will be more people of melanation in America by 2050 than there are white. This is why you see them doing what they're doing. That's right. Mm-hmm. They know their time is up. That's right. They're starting to self-destruct. You know, one of one of my one of my fears though is I think about like, you know, you bring a good point where, you know, Spanish predominantly is gonna be the language that's gonna be smoke spoken and everything. And I think back about how um just the the whites have conveniently included people within the the category of what constitutes being white to maintain the majority. So I see like even in, in this whole Thing around politics i see how white politicians pander and now they're really out trying to get not only the you know they always want the african-american vote which i think some of them just give up on but also trying to figure out how do we reach out to the latinos and make that become inclusionary of being white for fear of losing that majority you know that that's that's concerning to me because i do think that there there are a lot of latino people that do identify as being white and it will be a very dangerous day for them when they find out they're not. I agree. <laughs> it, 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 it will be a rude awakening. See, the one thing is I enjoy astronomy. I enjoy cosmic history. So for me, time and space, time is forever. I go back billions of years when I look at things. So I don't get caught up in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I see what happened in the past. I can see what's happening in the future. Mm-hmm. When it comes to space or geography, I'm everywhere. As an African, I'm everywhere. So I have always been around and I have always been everywhere. Mm. And when you look at the way things are and how they happen, the bottom line is that Spanish was the first non-indigenous language spoken in America. 
because remember the Spaniards were here in the 1500s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and Spanish is a derivative of something known as Vulgar Latin. That's where French comes from, Portuguese comes from, Italian comes from, Romanian comes from. It comes from Vulgar Latin. Vulgar Latin came from Classical Latin. Classical Latin came from Classical Greek. Classical Greek came from Africa. Even the alphabet is ours. Mm-hmm. And it comes out of Medunetaire or hieroglyphics. Hieroglyphics. That, that's our script. That bottom, what they call classical Greek, is really another script, another African script adapted by the Greeks, so they could create their language that became classical Greek. Classical Greek is really a, a modern, or I should say, classical Kemetic or Kush language. Mm. Indo-Europeans don't have anything. Nothing. They They've done everything. nothing. The only thing that Indo-Europeans created was the patent office and the Xerox machine. <laughs> A whole lot of hell. That's what they created. <laughs> A whole yeah. lot of hell. I skipped Zane. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Zane. My bad. Well, um, that just blew my mind right there. <laughs> uh, can you? Can you? Uh, explain the the uh i always always hear a lot of things about planet x aka dubiru do you know anything about that uh i've heard about it brother but i have a problem dealing with those concepts right now we need more research mm, more research right yeah we need more research my concern i do believe that we traveled in space right i do believe that i believe that we were airbound I believe we also realized that we could travel without a machine. Mm-hmm. Our minds could travel. Mm. I believe that also, but I believe there's a lot more research. When the imagination, man, you could take you anywhere, B. And you know, my thing is, family, before before we go too far out there in the cosmos, we need to get things together on Earth. <laughs> I agree. Because if we can't get it together on Earth, we'll never get it together in the cosmos. <laughs> That's what, yeah. That was the reason why I set up that question because, as you as you see on the news, and they always talk about Elon Musk and these these different, uh, you know, things that he's trying to do to get people to go to uh, the Mars and all this other different, you know, type yeah, of stuff. Now, do you, SpaceX. Huh? I said he has a program called SpaceX. He's taking yeah, SpaceX. Up to, up and to I'm like, so for them. For them to do that, and for people to say, "Oh, the end of the world is coming," and all this other stuff, you gotta figure the first, the first or the prime people that would know any type of like major event that's gonna come will be these big time billionaires that's getting this private funding and you know sending sending different rovers and stuff out there in space. Like, so I really think for them to be doing that they they know they know something's gonna happen it's gonna be a, ma- a major shift it might not be in the next 10 to 20 years but they know something has happened so they're preparing to have people go elsewhere because they know you know things about to get very real over here uh you know on on our earth so what do you what do you what do you think is the end game 
Well, at the end game is they better be very careful going into outer space because they right. were not they, they they were never meant to go out of space. Indo-Europeans came into existence by accident, hmm. but they want to go out on purpose. <laughs> How about? No, here's what I mean. This is science now. Yes, sir. Africans traveled into the northern cap, 51st parallel north right across from the Caucasus Mountains in what we call Georgia, Russia, in that area there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They got caught in an ice age. And in this ice age that lasted thousands of years, they then had to adapt to their new surroundings. And I'm talking about an ice age where the temperatures went down sometimes as far as 400, 450 degrees below zero. Mm. These melanated African people, wide nose, thick, thick lip, nappy hair people, had to go in caves and put clothes on, which denied them the little sunlight that came out. Right. For that, they had to depigment themselves. Just like right now, we all toasty brown because of the summer, at mm. least in New York. Right. Well, Look at us in February. We're not going to be the same complexion we are right now. You're right about right. that. Our hair texture is not going to be the same. What what would have been very curly hair is going to relax. Even very curly, nappy, kinky, whatever we want to call it, will will begin to unravel in the cold. In the summertime, it'll get kinky. White folk get kinky hair, but they don't call it kinky. They call it frizzy. Frizzy, yeah. <laughs> That's kinky hair. That's exactly the same thing that happened to black hair happens to white hair in the hot weather. It's just science, same person. So these Africans had to depigment themselves in order to be able to derive the little bit of sunlight that came to them as it related to um, the lack of sunlight. At in time, over thousands of years, this ice age diminished and ended and it brought in an interstadial which is a warming trend which is what we're in right now this global warming is part of that interstadial there's always been a cooling and a warming trend on the earth we did not create this global warming what we did wrong was we polluted the earth the water and the air mm. but we did not cause this global warming we are not that great you see this is even their arrogance to think they could change the weather yeah, they think well, that's the bottom line. And so these Africans coming back, the first thing they should have done when they came from the ice back into the southern lands, meeting the melanated people, the first thing they should have done is mated with them. The first thing they should have done was found a mate. Everywhere in nature, going back to natural law, Zane, yeah. a, a, they, they, they've done this study. A peacock, a colored peacock, beautiful colors peacock there is also an albino peacock that's white colored peacocks will not mate with albino peacocks mm. because they know if they mate with that albino they are moving their coloredness mm. into extinction right nature mm. don't let them do that check out you can google snowflake an albino gorilla in spain Snowflake would not mate. There, there, there weren't that many female albino gorillas. 
but he would not mate with albino gorilla because even in nature the gorilla snowflake knew it was a male knew that if he mated with an albino gorilla he was going to take his descendants off into extinction mm. even an albino cockroach <laughs> an albino plant right there were albino plants plants were born to be green humans were born to be black to brown period that's nature that's science that's right. natural law zane now what did they do these indo-europeans having been impacted by the ice not only did their they did their body change but their brain changed too in the pineal gland their pineal gland became calcified they came back with this erotic psychotic psychopathic sociopathic nature mm. And so they came with xenophobia. They came with a fear of the foreign. Mm -hmm. Anything that don't look like me is my enemy. Right. They only would mate with themselves. Right. And that was a problem because the Cro-Magnon is this entity that we know that came out that was still black, but it had depigmented itself. But this Cro-Magnon would only mate with other Cro-Magnons and in so doing, the Cro-Magnon was a mutation of the Grimaldi original African. Was a mutation. That's right. But their descendants aren't mutations. Their descendants, the people we dealing with out here, these people are mutations of the mutation. Mm. That's crazy. Family, I'm talking science here. I taught right, this right, right. in science. That's right. You can go prove it if you like. It's a, it's under the chapter called mutations. You, you got the big B and you got the little B. It's called Punet's Q. You have a square and then you put a, a cross in there and it becomes a chart. You put a big B and then a little B. You put a big B on the side and a little B on the side. A big B and then you, when you go into the side of the circle, you have a big B, big B. A big, big, big B is dominant. Right. A big B is dominant, a little B is recessive. recessive. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking superiority or inferiority. Mm -hmm. I'm talking dominant gene, recessive gene. The big B with the little B is part dominant and part recessive. You have the big B with the little B or, or, or little B with big B that is partially rece uh, um, recessive. But then you get over here. You got the little B and the little B that's recessive that little b little b is on the road to extinction that little b is the occupant of the white house and all of his followers are the little b little b <laughs> i'm talking science by the year 3000 indo-europeans will not exist as we know them today hmm. they will not exist that's crazy that's and that's and the people who feel that their their integration with the Indo-European is to their advantage, you're gonna change your mind real quick when you start dying out because of melanoma. Because by the way, Snowflake, the albino gorilla, died of skin cancer. Mm. Damn. Okay, this is science right here. Right. And so when we come before our community and we talk this way and we have ways that we can support what we're saying because i i have evidence yes you do, do. We need more study yeah we need more study there's no question we need more study man you, you 
you laid you laid uh, um I don't know if you remember this, but I remember one time you was on Sarnetta and you was live on Harlem, right on 125th there Street. You go. Yep. And you gave out your email and I emailed you right after that and you sent me your entire curriculum. Okay. All of them books. I was like, Lord have mercy. Yeah. <laughs> There's some studying that I need to do. I ain't been studying nothing because the material in there from Paleo Americans, Morris History. I mean, there were so many things in there. Let me ask you this, because we all have a beginning. What was it like studying under John Henry Clark, Leonard Jeffries, Ivan Van Sertima? How was it like mingling with them guys or being at the footstep of them, of them prestigious individuals? I stayed quiet and I just listened. I brought my notebook with me. I had met Professor Clark when I was very young, 12 and a half. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say that I was just up underneath him as a student from that point, but once I got into my late teens and into my 20s, I started a relationship with him that was closer. I consider him to be my intellectual father, and I consider a sister by the name of Dr. Sharshi McIntyre to be my intellectual mother. Okay. I've studied with Dr. Ben. I've gone to Mexico with Dr. Van Sertima. Mm -hmm. um, I worked with Dr. Chancellor Williams in 1984. I've worked with John G. Jackson. Right. Uh, it it was sitting at the feet of these masters. You know, I'm I'm developing a concept that I'm going to bring on to um, media, and I'm calling it "Walking Amongst the Gods on Earth." And I'm and I'm going to highlight my experiences with all these folk and how I perceive them now looking back on my relationship with them then but it would be difficult to exist today in that light because i'm not saying all of them but there are some young brothers who get a little bit of knowledge and they want to challenge the elders yes sir i know what you're talking about i already know what you're talking about <laughs> hey family Nah, stay in your place. I, if I ever dreamed that, I would wake up and apologize. <laughs> you never talk to your elders that way. Mm -hmm. That's right. Never, ever. And also, as someone looking back now, I know that this younger generation got some deep insight. They've got a lot to contribute. Mm -hmm. But the way you approach it is very important as to how the people will assimilate what you're saying Definitely. and how they deal with what you're saying. And my son, 26, phenomenal brother, very proud, writes into rap. And he he's really the one that introduced, well, my daughters too, but my son really because of our man-to-man -man relationship, he taught me a lot about rap music of this current generation mm -hmm. this current generation because hip-hop is my generation that's right hip-hop is sonia sanchez and gil scott heron mm -hmm. you know hip-hop hip-hop because i was into radio i was very much into radio i was into that generation i was mixing music back in 1974 I, I was an intern in one of the major uh, radio stations here, WWRL, a black, black radio station. White owned, but black music and 
black uh, talk. And I went out to Gary, Indiana in 1977 to become a weekend disc jockey and to become the production manager. But you got, but we all have to understand the history of music and the impact that black radio had on the black community post World War II. You, you, you have to be able to understand what was going on. When black folk came back from World War II and a white man came up to him and said, you got to sit in the back of the bus. The brother said, I shot someone who looked just like you in Europe and I got a medal for it. Mm-hmm. Yep. You think I'm coming home to sit on the back of the bus? And you didn't even... Black folk came, and women were also in the army. My aunt was a woman army corps. Black men and black women served in World War II. It really started in World War I, but I'm going to take you to World War II because of the change that happened after 1945. Right. You have the rise of black music on a level. You have the idea of black people making money in the entertainment world and in the sports world. Um, I was born two years before Emmett Till was assassinated. 53, huh? 1953. November 1953. And so... Scorpio elder or Sagittarius? Oh, oh man, I'm deep in Scorpio, brother. I can't help it. I tell people I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) The 16th, brother. November 16th. God bless you, man. Oh, God, I'm deep in Scorpio, man. And everything that they say about Scorpio, I've been living my life trying to hide. (laughs) (laughs) And I married a sister that's a Scorpio. So you know stuff is happening here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. A lot of stories. There's a lot of stories. Oh, my God, man. There's books, books, brother. Encyclopedias could be written on when two Scorpios get together. Mm-hmm. Oh man, you were just talking about the um, you know, like all, all the scholars and everything. And we, earlier we were having a conversation, and I was saying, you know, why do we why do we look to entertainers and athletes for leadership now? We've moved away from scholars. Like we put all this responsibility on people like LeBron. When we have, and this is no disrespect to LeBron, but we have great minds and great thinkers that are just amazing people. What, what is that about? Well, that was about when they saw the revolution happening in the 50s and 60s. They had to put people to be admired by the children and the community away from consciousness. Mm. And so to do that, I saw the shift from having Malcolm X and Martin Luther King on my T-shirt to having basketball players and comedians Mm. on a T-shirt. Not to take anything away from them because they deserve everything that they get. Yes, sir. But here's what I'm telling y'all. It's my responsibility to step up. Like I told you, ain't whatever is to be, it's up to me. Mm-hmm. Brother Rab, you call me. You want me to come on? I'm on. I'm on radio shows. I'm on podcasts. I'm there to come in because I am putting myself in a place where I am presenting information. And I am willing to compete with the entertainment field and with the sports arena and with um, uh, actors and actresses. Mm -hmm. Not competing with them personally, but I am saying that we need to make this information to the point where it's the in thing. Yeah. It's the hip thing to know who you are. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, you will value those scholars that come before you, male and female, that make you feel a certain way about yourself. 
And when that begins to happen, but it's up to us. We could sit here and complain all we want. I, you know, <laughs> a sports person makes in one year probably what I will make over two lifetimes. Mm-hmm. But I don't measure success by the money you make. I measure the success by uh, be, being able to come with Shannon. Is that how you pronounce your name? Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Rab and Zane. Okay. The impact that I leave in this program and those viewers that are watching this, that's my value. And that's priceless to me. Mm-hmm. But if the community sees this and feels this vibration and gets this understanding, this respect, this honor, this integrity, and they say to themselves, yeah, I like to play basketball and I like to watch the games and I like uh, uh, to go to comedy hour. But I also want to sit and listen to that podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. We have to be willing to go out there. Stop. I stopped complaining a long time ago. And I started putting my stuff on the table. And it's the stuff I put on the table. You know what you say, Mr. Rab, that you saw me on 125th Street? That was right across the street from the Apollo Theater. Yes, sir. Okay. I was teaching a class in Harlem at that time. I had a school for 12 years per unk mm-hmm. where, where I taught African science to the community. And we used to have a raffle every class. And I used to go on 125th Street and I would buy uh, DVDs. I would buy... Uh, different types of things uh, from the vendors to bring back to do raffles for every class. That day that you saw me, I was coming down 125th Street and I was buying things from the vendors on the street so I could do the raffle. That's when Sarnetta grabbed me and said, yo man, I have a question for you. And he he asked me the question and what you watched, that's my response. That was your response. Because you laid it out that day. I was like, yeah, he gave me his email. Typing this up right now. <laughs> that's right. And that's what I, that's my value. If I tell you something, that's what Dr. Clark used to always say. When you talk about the elders, if the elders told you something, their word was their bond. Mm-hmm. And that's the part we're missing. Your yeah. word being your bond. Yo, if I give you my card and I say, call me, man, you know, sometimes when people call me, you know, my wife get a kick out of it uh, because, I, you know, I'm on, the, you know, I'll answer the phone and, and they'll say, uh, please, can can I speak to Dr. Kaba, please? And I say, uh, speaking. And they say, no, I want to speak to Dr. Kaba. I said, no, speaking. They, they say, you Dr. Kaba? I said, well, you called me, didn't you? <laughs> the, the way it is, is that people see the entertainment world and the sports world. And, and ever since Hidden Colors, this has started happening 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. They view people as untouchable i am a street warrior mm. just like you say mr rab you saw me on 25th street that's right Give and, and, and there's a couple more out there on uh, on street yeah and other parts of harlem yes sir and even in the bronx there's places that people grab me and ask me a question and i'll respond 161st street uh, there's a brother who used to sell incense and books and DVDs and he used to always have his camera in case somebody came through. <laughs> I've always been a street warrior. I tried to stay a street warrior. I tried to stay in the background. There's a lot of things I've done in the background. But Dr. Clark used to always say the more popular you become, the more power you lose. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Man, I can't scratch my butt, can't pick my nose. Because somebody got their camera out. They say, look at what we saw, Brother Kaba. Once people see you, you you have to realize that people may be watching you, but you don't see them. Mm -hmm. You know, when I took my son, you know, I would go to a supermarket here in New York, you know, and I'd be looking for spaghetti sauce. I'd I'd be looking and then my son would come with your dad, you know, does somebody recognize you? And I'm still looking, trying to figure out which pasta sauce I want to get. (laughs) And my son is watching somebody watch me. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me what he said. And then I'll look and I'll wave or something like that. Give the fist. This. I I pray every day that the ancestors never make me think I'm somebody that I know I really am not. I am the same brother that has always been on the street. I've been I'm the same brother that went to went to teach children for 31 years, three months and 15 days in South Central Bronx. I'm that same brother. I am that same brother that's been struggling, trying to get through survival so I could get just a little bit of thrival. <laughs> and But the thing is, is that I'm attempting to make the work that we do something that people find attractive. Mm. 